Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Georgia Southern Extra. I'm your host, Nathan Dominitz, the sports editor of SavannahNow.com and the Savannah Morning News. We talk about Georgia Southern athletics and it's football season. So we're talking about Georgia Southern coming off of a big win over Nebraska. Of course, you guys all know about it. 45-42 in Lincoln. Historic victory for the program. Uh, second time to beat a Power 5 conference team since Florida in Gainesville in 2013 as they moved on to, uh, as the, the Eagles moved on to FBS. Uh, they've had their moments since then, but the, the beating Nebraska is a big deal. It costs Coach Scott Frost a job for Nebraska, so they're they're kind of in a mess over there. But but it's uh, high times right now, good times in, in Statesboro for new head coach Clay Helton. Our uh, guest today uh, knows everything we're talking about because he keeps up with football in the South, especially at UAB. It's Evan Dudley of AL.com. Evan, thanks for coming back to the show in a sense. That's an inside joke, but thanks for coming back to the show, Evan. Uh, my pleasure. Happy to be here. Okay. Well, we're glad to have you. So, um, I, Evan, you had kept up with uh, with the Georgia Southern uh, this season. You've studied up on them going into this game at UAB, which is Saturday at 3.30 Eastern on the Stadium Channel or Network. It's um, an on kind of a hybrid platform. And I'm told in Georgia, you can't get it on TV, so you have to go online and stream it that way. Um, or you could listen to the Georgia Southern Sports Network and listen to it. Uh, it's basically the radio online uh, broadcast. So that's a good way to keep up. But uh, we're going to preview it now with Evan. Evan, you go back to what, 2017 with uh, covering UAB? Uh, yes, uh, started uh, right when they came back, uh, when they you know started back on the field. Okay. And you've seen uh, them put together a pretty interesting tale of how they came to be and 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 didn't come to be and then came back under Bill Clark. But now they they have Brian Vincent, who's the interim head coach. Uh, we talk, we'll talk about him, but, but let me ask you, how did you, uh, what, what have you heard about George Southern and, and, and how did you hear about the Nebraska game? I think there's an interesting story there. Uh, well, just being kind of a football fan uh, in general, uh, you know, I've known of Georgia Southern, uh, you know, they were a very successful program on the FCS uh, level. Uh, you know, they were known for their running game. Obviously, last year uh, didn't, you know, end well for them. And there's a you know new regime in place. And uh, with that comes a lot of changes uh, you see from, you know, running the ball 50 times a game to they're passing the ball 50 times a game. Uh, and, but, you know, this has always been a good program. They're, they're built in, uh, you know, they have got a lot of community support. Uh, you know, this is a program that's uh, had success, uh, even if it's on the FCS level, you know, they made their transition to the FBS, FBS level a little bit easier, a little bit smoother, uh, able to get a few bowl wins, uh, like you had mentioned uh, to me before. So, you know, this is a program that's had success. Uh, last year wasn't what they wanted, but right now they've had some great success in these first two uh 
weeks, especially, uh, you know, one of the biggest wins in a, uh, program history. Uh, interestingly enough, you know, after I left uh, my game, uh, you know, I was traveling back from Virginia uh, late at night. So, uh, you know, that game was still on. Uh, I had my my friend, a uh, buddy of mine who uh, works in radio broadcasting happened to call me. He was at home watching the game. And I told him I was driving home. I was like, well, uh, you know, how about you just call the game for me like you would, uh, you know, on the radio? He's like, are you serious? So I'm like, uh, mm-hmm. sure, man, just give me play by play, you know? And he's like, all right, you owe me a Coke for 20 bucks. I'm like, all right, sure, whatever. <laughs> so he gave me play by play for about the last five minutes of the football game. It was pretty interesting. Yeah, that's well, now you know his value if a Coke and 20 bucks. Right. Uh, I, I'd do it just for the Coke, but uh, Coca Cola. But uh, anyway, the uh, Georgia Sun won uh, an exciting game. Uh, obviously, uh, Nebraska had a chance to send it to overtime. Uh, they were a three touchdown favorite. Uh, and uh, obviously, that was a miscalculation or a misread of the situation, as it turned out, on paper versus actually playing the game. Now, I checked yesterday. I hadn't checked today, but uh, we're taping this on Tuesday. Game is Saturday. But I believe um, UAB is a 10.5-point favorite. Maybe it was 11.5 at one point. Uh, I have not checked it uh, today. I know they opened, uh, I think it was about a, uh, maybe about a 4.5, 6.5 at the beginning of the week when they first opened. But, uh, you know, obviously that will kind of change a little bit throughout the week as these Mm -hmm. things usually do. But uh, I think it will be kind of a close game. It's going to be strength versus strength. Uh, You know, this great passing game of – of Georgia Southerns, and then you have a uh, you know great defense by UAB. So it's going to be an interesting uh, battle, uh, along with all the you know internal connections uh, between them. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about those. Uh, we'll get a little more uh, deeper dive on that because as uh, as Evan knows, there's a there's a, a lot a lot of pertinent connections, I think, and that uh, that it's kind of interesting because uh, Nebraska as Nebraska had never played Georgia Southern in football. Uh, you might one might assume that UAB and, and George Southern had played before because of the proximity and both being a uh, you know certain level of play. But uh, this is the first time that they played in football, and and UAB is a a, a really strong program and and uh, in a really strong state. I think uh, we talked before about the Alabama connections. Uh, UAB recruits uh, well all over, including Georgia, but they recruit in a state primarily in, in, in Alabama that produces a lot of talent, as Georgia does, as Florida does. Uh, and, um, you've got, of course, Alabama, the Crimson Tide, uh, kind of own the state, but not if you're in Auburn. And I think in, in Mobile, uh, South Alabama, of course, has, has their loyal fans, but also I think that was kind of Auburn territory a little bit. I guess it depends on who's ruling the roost, but Alabama has been so good for so long. Auburn's had some really good teams, obviously, but, uh, where does UAB fit into that? Like, do you find that there are Alabama or even Auburn fans coming to UAB games, I don't know if they'd wear their colors, but is it is it tough uh, when uh, in Birmingham when Alabama and or Auburn are playing at the same time if kickoffs kind of overlap? Uh, it's been tough at times, but I think it's starting to uh, you know kind of turn a little bit. Uh, you know that's something the athletic director for UAB has uh, really wanted. Uh, you know whether you root for Auburn or Alabama, you can both root for uh, UAB. You know it's uh, it's the University of uh, you know in Birmingham. Uh, uh, so you know it's the biggest. Well, was the largest uh, city in the in the state. Uh, you know Huntsville, I think, has passed them. Is that right? Was in like the last year, I think. But still, uh, you know, the largest city in Birmingham. Uh, uh, or in Alabama, Birmingham is. So, you know, and I think, you know, with the program coming back, it was, it, it came back because of community support. Mm-hmm. And uh, right. we've seen that there's been a lot of uh, donations uh, to their, to their uh, athletic foundation. They were able to build new athletic facilities, a new stadium that they opened last, uh, last season. So, you know, it, it, 
a lot of community and fan engagement was what was able to bring this program back. And it's really started to turn where you've seen a lot of uh, Auburn and Alabama fans kind of, you know, watching UAB, see what they do. Not to mention a lot of, you know, Alabama Auburn grads, uh, you know, some of them go and, you know, get master's degree at UAB. Sure. Uh, so, so, you know, there's a lot of guys, uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, that have degrees from, you know, all three universities. So it, it's, uh, it's really interesting to see, uh, you know, just the dynamic uh, kind of chart right. changing as a, as uh, time goes on. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I, I'm coming to this a little cold. I don't want to characterize UAB as kind of like the little brother to, to Alabama and Auburn, although that may be kind of close, just like uh, I dare say Georgia and Georgia tech compared to Georgia Southern. I mean, obviously in the, in the Statesboro area and Southeast Georgia, Georgia Southern has had generations of support, but Georgia university, of Georgia, the Bulldogs, especially national championship uh, coming off a of national championship season, they're, there are fans all over the place. I mean, you, you go anywhere in Georgia, uh, especially here in Savannah, where I am, you see UGA people out in force. And uh, George Southern um, is the closest major university. They've got a campus here in Savannah. They've got a lot of grads here in Savannah, but you you see the Georgia fans too. I'm not saying that they're uh, it's, uh, it's a matter of numbers and trying to make them equal, but there's kind of a feeling that, you know, there's Georgia fans are always going to be there as the majority, no matter what. Georgia Southern does. And I, I guess it'd be fair to say, no matter what UAB does, there's still going to be uh crimson tide roll tide. You're still going to hear that wherever you go. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a, I mean, those two will dominate the state always, but I mean, uh, you know, the UAB, uh, fan base is very loyal uh you know the people who are very loyal fans are loyal much like georgia southern because you know it is community driven a lot of these programs on a you know group of five level uh you know you know that that's kind of their calling card is they are community driven so uh you know as this uh you know community starts to come you know around this program and you know uh this program can you know get to the point uh where you know they're knocking off you know guys like nebraska and stuff like georgia southern or you know you look at what app state was able to do i mean you know but it will take years of you know of success to continue doing this and it's still uh, even though they've had success since 2017 if you look at it at a grand scale grand scale they're still sort of in their infancy of this sure. uh, uh, of this kind of new era of UAB football where in you know the 2025 years before uh, i think they had two uh, bowl eligible seasons. They had only went to one bowl game before Bill Clark arrived. So, I mean, it's a new era, but it's still sort of in its infancy and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and you know, and it's growing uh, and and that will continue to grow as it's successful. Yeah. I think uh, you, you go through those growing pains and, and all that, uh, that you have to, you have to put in that time. And, and uh, it was just kind of a, a, a nom, uh, you know, a little, a bit of an outlier that, and I wasn't here then, but when Georgia Southern brought back football, the modern era, as they call it back in the early eighties, they, they, after a year, they basically were so successful so quickly uh, with Eric Russell uh, starting the program from scratch, winning national three national titles at the FCS level called 1AA back then. Uh, and then they ended up winning six national championships at 1AA between 85 and 2000, I believe. And then they moved up to FBS uh, playing with the bigger boys. They beat uh, Florida in 2013. That was the outside of the national championships and all the the great playoff teams they had at the FCS level. I think the beating Florida in the swamp is something that's always brought up as like one of the milestone victories, one of the program making victories. And now, even though it just happened and we're kind of still in the moment and Nebraska is going through kind of a tumultuous time, not kind of, but uh, they, uh, you know, beating Nebraska, a storied program in Nebraska in front of the 88,862, I think it was, or 86,862, something like that. They, uh, 
you're, you're, it's, 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 it's a golden moment. And under Clay Helton, uh, only two games into his tenure here, uh, things are very positive. Um, the, uh, but we, we both know that every week is a new battle. And I think the coaches make sure we know that, that you can only rest on your laurels so long. So I'm going to, we're going to take a commercial break, but when we come back, we'll talk to Evan about what the UAB team offers, the kind of season they've had and what we might expect on Saturday. So I'm going to take a break from Ev- uh, with Evan Dudley. Uh, go have some lunch or something, Evan. Uh, well, we'll be back. Uh, but uh, we'll be back with Evan Dudley of AL.com, who covers uh, uh, UAB. But uh, right now, I want to plug the best source for local news in Savannah, the Savannah Morning News and savannahnow.com. If you want to know the latest on Georgia Southern, there's been a lot of football news, certainly. How about high school? What, what teams are hot and what teams are not? And in the Coastal Empire and uh, Savannah State, they got their first win. Uh, the Tigers got their first win last Saturday against Edward Waters after opening at home with a loss. Uh, keeping up with them and also all the news, features, and opinion columns. Uh, if you aren't a subscriber, now's the time to try us out. You get full access to our digital content. I believe I checked today, the, the special was $1 for six months. Uh, it's been before $1 a month for six months or $22 for 24 months right now, I believe. $1 for six months so we're basically giving it away uh, so right now go to uh, savannahnow.com slash subscribe now and sign up if you're interested savannahnow.com slash subscribe now and check out what the terms are and sign up okay let's get back to Evan Dudley talking about Georgia Southern football at UAB this Saturday afternoon 3.30 Eastern time and Evan uh, the kind of season that uh, UAB has had uh, the kind of uh, I'm sure they'd like to have that last one back. They opened uh, the season in a big way against Alabama A&M at home, 59 nothing. should sound very familiar to Georgia Southern fans. Georgia Southern opened at home uh, 59 to seven against Morgan state. Uh, everybody got to play pretty much. Uh, once the team got rolling in the second half, it was pretty much determined. And then people could start thinking about Nebraska and what a tall task that was on paper as a three touchdown underdog. UAB similarly opened up against Alabama A&M at home, right? Uh, yes. Uh, you know, it was, you know, they did what they were expected to do. Uh, it was a 59 to nothing, uh, uh, victory. They scored in all three phases of the game in the first quarter alone, offense, defense, and special teams blocked a punt, had a 78 yard interception return, did what they were expected to do in that first game. Uh, the second game, uh, a little bit, uh, went wrong. It was mostly turnovers for that. Yeah, and that was at Liberty, which people here, uh, Georgia Sun fans know, Liberty's a tough out. They're they're a good program under Hugh Freeze. They're playing at home, and I think you had phrased it in some of your articles as kind of part of a revenge tour. Uh, yeah, you know, this is a team that uh, you know kind of spoiled the opening of Protective Stadium last uh, last year. You know, there's three games that uh, UAB lost last year that they will be playing. Uh, uh, a return game for this year, or, you know, or they'll be, you know, coming, you know, welcoming someone in for a return game. But, uh, uh, but, you know, Liberty was really a game they really wanted. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, you know, turnovers were the main factor in the game. It, uh, you know, it uh, took possessions away from them and took opportunities. Uh, although the defense did stand tall and uh, not allowing any direct points off those turnovers, uh, you know, it did keep them from uh, having opportunities to win that game, especially with an offense, uh, you know, that piled up, you know, 240 yards of offense. Uh, there are two running backs who had 260-plus yards and a touchdown each. So, I mean, uh, you know, it just came down to a bad bounce of the ball and uh, not very indicative of what this uh, UAB team is. Yeah, I think uh, you made some great points, especially this, and you don't hear this much. So, uh, uh, UAB had four turnovers, three fumbles, and I think you said a muff punt. 
Uh, yes. Uh, uh, and, and, and none of those turnovers were converted into points. No, not one. You uh, don't hear that. You don't hear that very often. I know. And that, and that speaks a lot to this UAB defense able to kind of stand up and, uh, and kind of really hold teams. That's something they really pride themselves on. And, uh, and, and this defense itself is a, uh, it seems to be bigger and faster than years before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, and they, and they looked that way against uh, Liberty uh, until, you know, maybe the last quarter where they started to wear down after having to be on the field for so long. Uh, but, you know, you can't really, uh, you know, take that as a negative, you know, after what they were able to do with those, uh, especially the first three turnovers in the first half, not allowing any points. Uh, the month hunt came, I believe, in the third quarter, and they, uh, I think they held them uh, Liberty to a three and out after that. So, you know, it's a, it's a very strong mentality of this defense not to allow them, uh, especially on third down, to convert. I think Liberty was three of twelve for the uh, for the game. Uh, so you know, it, it, you know, it was just really more of the defense wearing down at the end uh, after the offense was able to kind of give up opportunities to score and uh, kind of take control of that game, especially early in the first half. Yeah, yeah, and it's just uh, it added up, not like in textbook fashion or typical fashion, but it added up to a, I believe, it was a twenty-one fourteen win for Liberty at home kind of spoiled things because uh, UAB, like you mentioned, the defense played a, a solid game in the offense. I mean, you got, there's some dangerous running backs and the, I want to talk to you about the quarterback situation too, because that's quite interesting, but the running backs, uh, you got some two dangerous guys with two great nicknames. Oh yeah. Uh, you have a uh, Dwayne Debo McBride and then Jermaine skull Brown. I don't want to mention with Jermaine. I, I don't want to mess with Jermaine skull Brown jr. Or, uh, Dwayne Debo uh, McBride, and he's he's like what's five eleven, two fifteen. Uh, yeah, and uh, it's sounds just like a load. Solid rock, absolutely yeah. solid rock. Uh, you could say that he might have been bouncing off guys uh, against Liberty, but it was more he was running through them and just continuing to uh, continuing to move his legs and continuing to run. Uh, you know, it wasn't so much bouncing as he was just uh, demoralizing guys. But unfortunately, uh, like I said, you know. Uh, putting the ball on the ground a couple of times will, uh, you know, take a win from you where you should have had one. Yeah. So looking at stepping back, you got two uh, two running backs who are amongst the career leaders, I believe, for the Blazers. Two uh, the, two. Yes, Jermaine, Jermaine Brown, Dwayne Rod. They first they kind of came into the came out of the shadow of Spencer Brown, the all time oh, yeah. leading rusher. Uh, Very good. Yeah, he came in in 2017. Uh, you know, was a true freshman. Played four years. Came there all time. Uh, leading rusher and uh, you know he kind of really raised these other guys uh, that have come into this program because Dwayne McBride and Jermaine Brown were uh, two running backs that were recruited from high school you know they weren't they're not transferred players uh, they didn't come from JUCO these are guys who uh, signed with them out of high school and then Spencer kind of really uh, mentored them and uh, you know and they became very successful in their own right and we're seeing that now it's where uh, both of them are you know highly successful uh, Jermaine uh uh, he's more of a passing down back as well. He can get out in space. Uh, we saw him in Liberty taking wildcat snaps. So, you know, he's got a lot of speed on him where Dwayne Rod is uh, basically just a bowling ball uh, rolling down the field at times. Oh, yeah. So you, it's, so when people think about UAB, uh, they're one and one, but they uh, they have uh, two dangerous running backs to the whole running team, uh, game uh, and the offensive line are solid. Uh, the quarterback, I guess there was a quarterback competition, but that got secured pretty quickly with uh, – with Hopkins, right? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, Dylan's had experience uh, in this uh, offense. Uh, he took over for Tyler Johnson when he was injured uh, a few years ago. He missed 2020 uh, with a foot injury, came back last year, took over for Tyler Johnson after he had another injury, uh, uh, led these guys to, uh, I believe it was 7-3 and three on the year, uh, led them to their uh, one of their biggest wins, went over uh, number 13 BYU in the Independence Bowl to cap the season. 
they brought in Jacob Zeno from Baylor. Uh, you know, has you know, was a four-star recruit out of high school. Played uh, played some meaningful uh, snaps at uh, Baylor. Played in the conference championship against Oklahoma. So this is a guy who's uh, you know seen some experience, but uh, you know he came in, he pushed Hopkins, but this was still Hopkins' team. Uh, uh, you know, this guy's he earned a lot of respect from these guys last year in some of his uh, games, especially at Marshall. Uh, some of the plays he was able to make, uh, not only with his arm, but with his legs and his body. Uh, so this is a guy who had earned the respect of his team. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, he just understands the offense better. Although, you know, I've spe- speaking with uh, head coach Bryant Vincent, you know, Jacobs, you know, understands this offense as well. You know, he's a guy who can uh, run it as well. So they're going to try to get him to play. Uh, you know, meaningful time throughout this year. That's something Vincent wants to do, having two guys ready to play at any time uh, as, you know, they've had injuries at quarterback the past few years. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, with Zeno, uh, unfortunately, he just wasn't able to get in the game against Liberty because it was such a close game. Uh, but I think, you know, he'll see some action maybe this Saturday since it being a home game. They'll try to get him in maybe a series or two just to see if he can, uh, you know, give some uh, some traction to this offense, especially maybe in a in a more dynamic way than uh, Hopkins. Although Hopkins can run, he does got some wheels on him, but mm-hmm. he's become so much more of a of a pocket passer now. He wants to stand in the pocket and make sure he gets the throw down rather than, you know, taking off after one or two reads. But, you know, it is Hopkins' team. Uh, I don't think there's a short leash to him at all. I think, uh, you know, it will really come down to, you know, him. He hasn't thrown a pick. Uh, he's taken a couple of bad sacks maybe. But at the same time, he's not turned the ball over yet this year. And, uh, you know, he's a guy who's going to put you in position uh, to be successful. Did uh, did um, UAB, did the Blazers' defense face uh, a lot of passing uh, against Liberty or Alabama A&M? Did, I mean, I don't know if any – they're not going to face too many teams that throw the ball 50-plus times a game. But uh, – Georgia Southern, as odd as it is to say, this seems to be the pattern, the new offense under um, under Clay Helton and Brian Ellis, who uh, that's a good transition here. But uh, with Brian Ellis, the uh, the, the quarterback this year, six-year quarterback, Kyle Vantries, out of uh, transfer from the University of Buffalo, he, everything runs through him. He's the trigger man. Uh, he makes things go. And uh, that veteran leadership was something that they uh, – you could just look back to last season. They didn't have a quarterback. Makes a huge difference, as you might assume. So they have a veteran quarterback. He was the national player of the week, uh, the water camp player, the national offense player of the week uh, for his 406-yard uh, performance. Um, and he ran for the winning touchdown with 36 seconds left. And he was, he's not a running quarterback. But uh, he, uh, Kyle Ventris, uh, also the Sunbelt Conference Offensive Player of the Week. Uh, like you mentioned, George Southern is amongst the leaders, second, fourth, and fifth, and Categories like total offense, passing yards, and uh, uh, average points, uh, with with the big win um, over uh, the forty, the fifty nine seven win over Morgan State, and the forty five forty two win over Nebraska. They're averaging a lot of points. Uh, Brian Ellis is a name very familiar to UAB people. Uh, going back a few years, Brian played quarterback at UAB and then became an assistant. His first coaching experience might have been at UAB, uh, and then uh, Ty, uh, Turner West, who's the special teams coordinator. Uh, back at, uh, with the, this year with the Eagles was um, a graduate assistant back in 2011. So he, he knew Brian back then. And then um, Richard Owens was as recently as last season was the offensive line coach of UAB. Didn't take long for a reunion with that coaching staff. So uh, the, 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 the weird part of it to me is your UAB and, and um, George Southern have never played in football yet. They're, they're going to be pretty familiar with their tendencies and the kind of guys that are on the opposing sideline. I think they're going to have a good feel for each other. I think knowing 
them knowing Brian so well and studying how he's been an offensive coordinator at, at Western Kentucky and, and at Southern Cal. And then Clay Helton, of course, uh, has been around 27 years. Uh, so he's not new in this, in the, in this, these parts. And then um, anyway, what do you think, Evan? You think there's going to, these guys, they're not, you think they're all going to go out to dinner together after the game? Uh, you know, maybe not right after the game. Might might be after the season before they can get back together. But, yeah, there are a lot of connections. Richard Owens being the most recent one. He spent uh, the last three years at UAB. He was really great for them, uh, really uh, developed that offensive line. Uh, Cam Blankenship was promoted. He was an offensive analyst there. Uh, so, he, you know, he, he learned under Richard Owens as well. So, you know, there will be a lot of Richard Owens signature to these offensive lines. Uh, which will, you know, will play a, probably a big part for, you know, for both defenses knowing those kind of tendencies. Uh, that might be more advantageous for uh, UAB having the defense they have uh, being a very aggressive, big and fast defense that they are. But, you know, just all these connections are interesting. Not to mention you have Reynard Ellis, a former. Yeah, my you know, next question. Yeah. All Sun about Belt. Reynard Ellis. Yeah. Yeah. All Sunbelt performer uh, at Georgia Southern. Uh, didn't play last year, but Cam's in the UAB. He's a Birmingham native. So it's kind of a homecoming for him. Uh, you know, talking with coaches, you know, he's just a, a missile, you know, out of that linebacker spot. Uh, you know, he's had some, really, uh, you know, he's had some good performances these first couple of games. So, uh, you know, you know, he's going to be really ready to uh, play this, uh, play this game. Uh, you know, even against, you know, some of his old friends or whatnot, you know, you know, even guys love doing that themselves. You know, it might not be bad feelings against players on the field or anything, but, uh, you know, it's something he's looking forward to just because, you know, this is a place that he began his career at. Yeah. Yeah. Reynard Ellis, um, two-time uh, all Sunbelt conference linebacker, uh, I guess he had kind of a falling out uh, under, with the old administration. Uh, went back home to Birmingham. Was at Shades Valley High School, I think, is, if I have that right. But uh, the uh, the that'll be interesting. Uh, of course, uh, Reynard knows a lot of guys still at Georgia Southern. Uh, chief among them, Todd Bradley Glenn, who we we've talked before about on this broadcast on this podcast. Uh, Todd's in his seventh year. Uh, he missed all of last season after suffering a biceps injury the first fall scrimmage, and uh, you knew he was coming back. Uh, he's already, he's working on a second degree, uh, and he's got, uh, his own construction company, Bradley Glenn construction. He's got his own podcast, kind of a rival of mine, I guess, in that sense. Uh, and Todd's got a lot of things going for him. And they tell me in the athletic department that he technically could ask for an eighth year, uh, between the red shirt years. He had uh, season ending injuries. Uh, he had, uh, everybody had the COVID sanctioned, uh, year, the bonus year through the NCAA, uh, so I don't know if he's coming back. He's working on a second degree, so that may lay into it, uh, part lay part of it. But uh, yeah, there's a lot going to be a lot of familiar faces in their fourth, fifth, and sixth years who know Reynard from just two seasons ago. Uh, so there's that. Coach Owens, like I said, uh, should have a good grasp of the guys over at wearing uh, UAB uh, shirts on Saturday. Um, and um, I think, what do you think? I we've got two teams that have ever played, but I kind of have a feeling that this game is going to be about turnovers. Is it going to be about being opportunistic about not, you know, not giving the other side uh, a reason to celebrate. Um, obviously turnovers are always big, but something tells me with the the nature of uh, these games, uh, and we, we would say last year, two running teams, but we're talking about a passing team now from a pro, uh, makes a priority of passing, but they also Georgia Southern. Uh, if you look at the stats, they're also, looking to make the best of the run. The run set up the pass against Nebraska, and then the pass set up the run. They had a lot of rushing touchdowns. The running backs had good games, uh, breaking open, breaking off some uh, big uh, explosive plays, some for touchdowns. So I don't think it's going to be necessarily a 50-pass uh, effort from Kyle Van Trees if the running game is effective. I'm not, that's a big if. 
Uh, on the other side, though, I'm, I'm going to hand off to Evan here. That's kind of a pun. You, with those running backs, I think if uh, UAB can control uh, the possession, you know, keep the ball out of the up-tempo offense from Georgia Southern, which wants to do a lot of plays and wear down the defense by the fourth quarter, I think if UAB kind of dictates play, it's going to be about running, right? Uh, yeah, I think that would uh, be a fair assessment. You look at these running backs, uh, you know, they can – churn up yards or bulldozers uh you know this game is really strength versus strength uh you look at uh george southern's offense uh you know just what they're able to do but also UAB, you know has a very good defense uh and like you said i think this is a game where you know caliban trees might not want to throw it 50 times uh you know against a defense like this a very opportunistic uh defense they got three turnovers uh in their opener uh three interceptions return one for an interception so you know, it's not defense to, uh, you know, to uh, to play with as much. But, you know, if they get that running game uh, uh, into this UAB defense, that will kind of lighten the load for them. But as far as UAB goes, uh, if they can get this running game going and, you know, not turn the ball over like they did last week, uh, they'll have a lot of success. They'll be able to kind of control the flow of this game. And I think uh, with the Georgia Southern defense, if they can kind of really uh, – maybe, uh, you know, really kind of uh, you maybe attack uh, that running game and maybe force them to pass, uh, you know, because this is an evolving passing game. They've got good receivers, good tight ends that are coming in, but they have to prove themselves beyond uh, Trey Shopshire, who was uh, the uh, the nation's uh, leader in uh, uh, recept- uh, receiving uh, yards per reception last season. Go. So, uh, you know, uh, you know th- that guy's proven he's only had one catch uh, this season thus far. He got injured in the first game, came back last week, had a really big catch. But, uh, yeah, Liberty did a good job of kind of keeping that passing game uh, down. But, you know, as well as they were running it, you know, they weren't going to try to pass it as much. But I think Georgia Southern will really have to try to, you know, kind of slow down this uh, running game and try to force it into Hopkins' hands. Uh, and that will make a, probably a little bit uh, smoother for them on the defensive side. Yeah, that that uh, that all sounds very right. I think um, uh, one one thing that uh, people might assume is that a big letdown for for Georgia Southern winning on the road at Nebraska, which is like a you know a circle on the counter kind of game. Then going back on the road, I think if they're at home, maybe people would feel a little better about mentality. You know, they had the overnight plane trip on Sunday; they got to settle back in on have kind of a normal week. It is another road trip. Uh, yeah, obviously, Birmingham not as far as Lincoln, Nebraska, but um, and they should have a, a pretty good representation of fans there, I would think. But um, I think uh, there's a reason Birmingham uh, UAB um, is favored. I believe it was 10 and a half or 11 and a half points when I checked yesterday. Uh, here it is on Tuesday. So it could change based on where the money is going and who's kind of evening up the sides. Uh, as it, as the betting, betting people know, no matter what happens, the odds makers want to win. They win. They want. So they're going to pick odds that kind of get people to bet on both sides and I don't know if people coming off the Nebraska game, if people would have assumed uh, UAB would be a, a ten and a half point favorite, but uh, and like you, I think you said that maybe it started at four or six, and uh, maybe a lot of money came in on Georgia Southern. That's just uh, assuming that that was a little too close. So, uh, but uh, UAB obviously a strong program, a pretty much uh, you know solid count on them to be a bowl contending team. And uh, we're running out of time here, but I wanted to ask Evan kind of uh, just a general question about college football and where UAB might fit in with all the, uh, the changes about uh, super conferences and the SEC. Of course, you're in SEC uh, footprint right there in Birmingham. Um, actually, the SEC headquarters are in Birmingham, right? They still are. Right across the street from UAB Stadium. You could you could knock on their door during regular business hours and maybe if you see a light on at night and talk to the boss. And say, what are you guys doing over there? But 
but um obviously the super conferences uh uh, you know, UCLA and USC in the Big Ten, that just sounds weird. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma, I guess we've kind of sort of got used to the idea of them playing. I mean, Texas just played Alabama, and of course, we could talk about that for an hour, that game. But uh, the uh, what do you think, where does UAB and and the Conference USA, where, where are they kind of feeling out how things are going? And I can kind of speak for the Sun Belt because they're, they're, they're at they're a, a peak right now with uh, all things considered after last weekend, which might've been their, their best Saturday in football history for the Sun Belt, uh, When you, you add Marshall, James Madison, Southern Miss, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving out um, old dominion, old dominion, right. Which has a history too, with George Southern. Uh, old dominion beat Virginia tech uh, opening week or week zero uh, or pre week zero, whatever it was. Uh, of course, uh, app state and uh, Marshall had went over top 10 programs. All this shakes out like, well, what, what, where does UAB kind of fit in? I know it's a big um, hypothetical, but can they find uh, some, some, some solid ground to, to make their sta- stand? Uh, they're in the best position they've probably been in, uh, in program history or athletic department history. Uh, uh, you know, just getting out of Conference USA is a big deal. Conference USA uh, for, you know, all the good they've done, I've, all the fun I've had covering uh, games in the conference. Uh, they have the absolute worst TV deal of any uh, conference <laughs> in the land. Uh, they, you, you have to uh, uh, go through, you know, a myriad of, uh, of channels just to find where they're playing at each week, uh, no matter what team. Uh, and so moving to the AAC uh, next week, the uh, next year, excuse me, uh, the American is a big boost, not only in payday, uh, you know, they're not going to get the full 7 million to start off, uh, you know, payday. They'll, they'll eventually get to that as it goes on, but uh, they have an ESPN deal. So their games are going to be on ESPN. Uh, you'll be able to watch their games. You won't have to go through stadium or CBS sports network or ESPN plus, or, you know, some, or Facebook live. I believe that was a thing a couple of years ago with some yeah. conference USA games. So uh, that's the biggest thing is going into a new conference uh, with the American there. It's 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 more of a kind of a urban city type of a mentality with the American as we've seen. I think UAB fits into there as we've seen what the Sunbelt was able to bring in. I think those fit in uh, perfectly with what the culture, which is more community regional based. Regional uh, rivalries, yeah. Uh, Southern Miss has not uh, you know been as good as they were in recent years. Uh, you know they controlled Conference USA uh, in football for many years in the two thousands. Uh, but, you know, they've got a, you know, a program, you know, they've, you know, they took Liberty into overtime at home uh, the first week of the season. So, you know, this is a program I think will have success in the Sun Belt. We saw what James Madison, Old Dominion, Marshall, you know, new teams came in. Marshall, who uh, UAB beat twice on the road in the past two years in the mm-hmm. calendar year. Uh, so, I mean, the Sun Belt is set up, I believe, uh, UAB going to the American is set up really well. Uh, uh, you know, I think the Sun Belt's, uh, you know, the way they want to do things is perfect. The way they want to do it with regional rivalries and community-driven schools, whereas uh, American is more urban city. And I think uh, I think both programs are exactly where they need to be. And, uh, you know, especially going into this kind of future of new conferences and major conferences. Yeah. And with the 12-team playoff coming, uh, that, you know, they will have an opportunity. Yeah, that I think that, and, and we're, we're we're going to wrap it up here. But I think you you ended on a great note, Evan. There, uh, no matter what happens in the next couple of years, it's going to shake out probably pretty well for for these two teams at least, and for their conferences, the new conference for for uh, UAB um, and Conference USA. Well, that's that's a whole nother that's a documentary series probably with with they, what they've been through. Um, and you know, um, I, I think uh, well, I'm old enough to remember when when. Yeah, watching uh, 
Pac-12 games and all that, you didn't have to wonder about where they were going and and everything. And and you could get into the rivalries, whether you UCLA, USC, or or any rivalry. And you know, of course, Army Navy transcends regions and and all that. But there's college football has a lot of things going for it. But the money, as usual, you follow the money and you kind of figure out where it's going. And and I, I don't I don't know I don't even know how to predict what the SEC is going to be doing in in five or ten years. But um, Follow the money and you probably figure it out. Well, we're, we're going to say uh, thank you very much to Evan Dudley of AL.com. Did a marvelous job. Um, Evan, I'm going to invite you back for next year because UAB is coming to Statesboro, right? It's September 2023. Oh, yeah. And if uh, I'm still covering team, I will happy to join <laughs> you and I will be in Statesboro. Well, uh, I'll probably say with, the same. Probably with all my Almond Brothers gear on as well. <laughs> I, I was raised on the Almond. So, you know, Statesboro. the a favorite song of mine, but, uh, oh, wow. You know, th- okay. Thanks for having me. Uh, I got to give a quick shout out to, uh, everyone's favorite Georgia Southern UAB basketball standout Quan Jackson. Uh, great okay. guy played Southern Georgia Southern played at UAB. Uh, uh, just a great guy overall. I got to give a shout out to Quan Jackson. He's my guy, you know, love that Hope guy. So, just, just, just a great, just a great player, great person. And, uh, you know, played for both schools, uh, okay. did great things for both schools. Got to give a shout out to Quan Jackson. Excellent. Well, that's very thoughtful of you. Uh, and uh, we appreciate it. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone, to Georgia Southern Extra. We're, we're weekly. We'll be back next week to talk about how things went with UAB, and we'll preview Ball State. And uh, we can uh, talk more about Nebraska if there's still the afterglow uh, two weeks later. But uh, right now, everything is uh, going great. Uh, there's no Statesboro Blues, just um, you know, true blue right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, George said, actually, Evan, one more time. Thanks very much. Hope to see you next season in uh, Paulson Stadium in the press box. And then you can find your way to uh, to Macon and, and states go around Statesboro and, and get up, get all your Almond Brothers uh, vibe going. So mm-hmm. you, you'll, you'll feel right at home. Thanks very much, everybody. We'll, we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening. Is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. Pass swings. On the way. It's good! It is well with my stolen Montgomery! Georgia Southern wins! Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.